You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Well, hey, good morning, Redeemer. My name is Kent Carroll, and I am the college director here. Uh, Really excited uh, for a couple of reasons this morning. One, I'm excited uh, to preach God's Word and to come to you live in your living rooms or bed or wherever you're watching this. And two, uh, they told me the camera adds 10 pounds, and so I should be filling this shirt out quite nicely on your screen. But yeah, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. You can find that in the New Testament. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, as a church, we're on a unified reading plan this year. We're reading through the whole New Testament together. And what that, what that practically looks like is each week, uh, we read through about five chapters of the New Testament. Uh, And then on Sundays, we pick one of those chapters to preach through, and that's what I'm doing here. You can find that reading plan uh, on the Redeemer website, and uh, I'd encourage you that if you've heard about that all year, or if this is your first time joining us online this morning, uh, to jump in with with us. And even if you haven't read hardly all of quarantine and and you've been far from the word, I encourage you just jump in where we at on that where we are at on that reading plan, uh, and we'd be happy to read along with you. And so, uh, with that, uh, we're gonna read the text that we're in today in its entirety, and then we're gonna dive back in and see how it applies to our lives. And so, this is Second Corinthians chapter one, starting in verse three. It says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of comfort." who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer." Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. All right, so Paul's talking to this church in Corinth. And for us to understand uh, some of the depth of what he's really getting at in these particular verses, but the book as a whole, we need to understand who Paul is and who the Corinthians are. This is true of of all passages of Scripture. We need to know the context, but particularly here, it's going to help us see why he's writing to them about God's comfort in the midst of suffering. And so what you need to know is that Paul started the church in Corinth, that Paul was a leader in the very early church, and he would go from town to town as a missionary and start new churches, get it uh, get it, some leaders established, and then he'd move on to another city to start new churches there. But he would always check back in on the previous churches that he had started. And uh, in Corinth, like a lot of the churches he started, after he had left, because it was a church full of young believers that had uh, just encountered the gospel for the first time, uh, they weren't living uh, lives that reflected all the implications of the gospel. And so Paul hears about this and uh, writes them a letter that we just read uh, or would have just talked about even last week at Easter in 1 Corinthians. And um, 
he, he corrects a lot of the things that he's hearing about that's going on. And so he's addressing uh, the way that they are wrongly living out their sexuality and their worship services and, and many things. Uh, but what we know from further context in 2 Corinthians is that uh, he sends that letter and they, they don't all listen to him. Uh, some of them have disregarded Paul uh, as a valuable leader, even though he's the very guy that started the church himself there. Uh, they're disrespecting him. They're not seeing his teaching as authoritative. And the reason why is because at this point in the life of their church, they had encountered uh, some new Christian leaders that have come about, come through town teaching. And these new Christian leaders, uh, frankly, were just more successful than Paul uh, in a worldly sense. They were more, uh, they had an easier life than Paul. The, some of these leaders might have had uh, a lot better speaking uh, public speaking record, and they might have been uh, financially a lot wealthier, a lot more comfortable uh, in a worldly sense. And so they're comparing these teachers and what they're saying is true, uh, which was serving themselves a lot with what Paul was saying. And they're looking at a successful, easy life, comfortable leader. And then they're looking at Paul, who was not well-spoken, who was uh, poor, worked manual labor, or had to ask for money to do ministry, uh, who was often beaten and in prison. And what the Corinthians were doing with their leaders, but you also see this as you look at the problems they had in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, what you see is that they were overvaluing uh, worldly comfort, uh, worldly success, finances. They were ultimately, they were overvaluing an easy life, and they were undervaluing suffering. They, they were overvaluing this easy life, this, this American dream version of the time, and they were undervaluing suffering and the suffering that they saw in Paul. And so Paul, as he writes to them in 2 Corinthians, is going to further instruct them and care for them as his spiritual children, but he's also going to try to reorient the way that they look at uh, suffering, and specifically in his life, because uh, the Lord is not uh, against suffering. We uh, serve a God that's called the suffering servant. Like Paul is changing their view that we just read, uh, and that's what he's going to dive in on. And so, um, on the very beginning of this letter. And so, uh, what I want to talk to you about is what I'm going to just kind of call uh, the process of suffering that Paul lays out in these verses. He's showing what is the process of suffering for a Christian. And as we look at that, and as we're in a unique season of suffering societally right now, on top of unique individual sufferings that we're all going through, uh, I think it's really important to note that uh, while there's all sorts of types of ways you can suffer, uh, I'm going to boil them down into two very broad categories, uh, because I think one Paul is talking about here and one Paul is not. And I think the first category of suffering is suffering that comes upon you and I, when we uh, make really terrible decisions, uh, when we, uh, as a result of our sin or our stupidity or whatever you want to call it, uh, when we incur suffering on ourselves. And that's not what Paul's getting at. Like, if you're like me, I mean, even maybe through this whole quarantine season, you have uh, re brought some suffering on yourself because of the way you've eaten or maybe the way you've interacted with your spouse or maybe the way you've interacted with your roommates that you weren't kind, the kindest or the lovingest like I might not have been the other day and you've brought suffering on yourself because of that. Uh, that's not what Paul's getting at here. The, the suffering that Paul is referencing here uh, for the Christian is suffering that is out of their control. Uh, the suffering that Paul's going to kind of teach us about and how God is using it is suffering that uh, we cannot 
change necessarily. And I think that is particularly relevant to us in this season of time when with the coronavirus and the quarantine and everything that's happening, it, it, it might not have felt like there's more out of control things going on in our lives than ever before for right now, at least in my lifetime. And so that's what Paul's getting at. And so uh, he starts to lay out this process of suffering. And the first thing that's kind of inherent to this text uh, and to the process of suffering uh, is the idea that God allows suffering. Uh, like that we don't want to shy away from that, that God we do believe is fully in control and he is not surprised by suffering that enters your life or mine. He was not surprised by the coronavirus and all the ramifications of it. And where we are believing and trusting and looking at his word to know that he's a good God, we do believe he is actually allowing suffering. And so if you're, if you're following along with notes and you're writing the process of suffering and the first process of that is God allows it, I think you can, you can check that box if, if you're trying to see where am I at in this. I think all of us to varying degrees uh, are suffering right now. Uh, and then he dies in and, and he really gets into right here in verses 3 and 4 uh, what happens once God allows suffering for the Christian. So it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. You see, the second step in this process of suffering that we see here is that we, as his children, receive God's comfort. Uh, we see in here that uh, for the Christian that we can receive the Father's comfort through Jesus being our Lord, that uh, Paul blesses the Father of our Lord. And so if you know Christ, if Christ is your Lord, then through that you have access to the Father. And he's a really good Father to have access to in this season of suffering because look how Paul describes him. He describes him as the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Um, we have a Father who wants to be merciful to us. He, he wants to comfort us uh, in all of our affliction. And, it, and notice, too, he's saying he's, he's applying these truths to the Corinthians who, by you know, good Christian standards, are not performing very well. Uh, the, these Corinthians had just, if you read 1 Corinthians, had all sorts of issues, and yet God, the truth that God still wants to comfort them, that he is still their father, that he still has mercy on them, is still true. And that's really important for you and me because we might have wasted the first month of quarantine running from God and two things that ultimately won't satisfy. That in the midst of our suffering, we, we might not have performed super great on our spiritual disciplines and our love of neighbor, yet God still wants to comfort us because it is not based on our performance, but on the fact that Jesus is our Lord, that he is our father. And so uh, there's this great truth here that he wants to comfort us in our affliction and he wants to comfort us in all of our affliction that you see there in the back half of that verse. And not just the big afflictions, not just the small afflictions. This uh, season of life we're in is affecting everyone in such vastly different ways. Many of us were suffering long before this season started and this has only intensified it. But, but all of our affliction, he wants to comfort us. That's really good news that in the process of suffering for the Christian, yes, God's allowing it, but God wants to comfort us. Uh, and then he goes on and uh, he says that the next step of this that you see in the back half of verse 4, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort with which we experience, with, with which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. 
So apparently, this comfort that we see from the, that we can receive from the Father is so abundant that it cannot be contained to just us. That, that God's design in this process for suffering for the Christian is that as we receive the comfort of God, that that it goes to other people that are suffering. That same comfort that we are actually empowered to take the things that we are suffering with to help heal and serve and comfort others. And God does this again and again. I bet you've seen this in your life, or at least I hope you have. I've seen it in mine, where God will take a Christian through a season or an experience of suffering and then use his nearness to them. And that Christian then goes and shares that experience and comfort from God with others. I see this in the life of Redeemer often. I've seen uh, families go through uh, the, the hard... Uh, process of foster care and adoption and the suffering that comes along with that. There's a lot of joy and goodness in that, but it's a hard process. I've seen older families that are experiencing that be able to comfort younger ones are. I've seen uh, older married couples that have gone through marriage troubles uh, and distress be able to comfort younger ones with the comfort they receive from God. I've seen in my own life as I've entered parenthood recently and just been suffering from lack of sleep and just feeling like my capacity has dropped. I've had older brothers and sisters in the faith who have had kids say, it's going to be okay. I've seen college students who are freaking out because they're sophomores and they've changed their major three times and, and they're, they're wondering uh, if they're blowing their uh, chance at a successful future, be comforted by older students who have put their hope and faith in God, receive God's comfort, and can calm them because of the comfort they received. Like, this is what God does in his church again and again and again. And I think it's important to note that um, God is not saying that if you're suffering right now, that the best thing that you could do or what your Christian duty is, is to go out and find somebody that's also suffering or in the exact same boat and help them. And that's what you're supposed to do in this. I think it's a little more nuanced than that, that, that we know that sometimes that a season of suffering might be weeks months, years, and it's going to take years even of seeing God comfort us before it's ever going to manifest into help and healing for someone else. And that's okay. That's why it says in verse 6 that we are to patiently endure these sufferings, that it's going to take some time. Um, but the truth is, is that in God's response to our suffering is to draw near to us, and then that allows us to draw near to others. That frees us up to do that. And so uh, I think from that, uh, God is working this process uh, to kind of finalize in what we see in verses 8 and 9, that the last part of this process of suffering is that as he allows suffering to happen, as we receive the Father's comfort and we comfort others, all of it allows us to rely more on him. Read verses 8 and 9 with me. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So, so Paul is talking to these Corinthians who have misjudged his suffering and, and thought that it made him weak and maybe even unauthoritative uh, in what he knows about Jesus and God. And, and yet Paul is saying even this worst suffering he ever has experienced in Asia was actually used to teach him to rely on God more. Uh, I, I would take it a step further. It was not just taught by 
uh, God for him to rely on him more, although that's clearly the, the main takeaway here in this text, and that's the main takeaway for you and I. But it's also where Paul became most like Jesus, because when we are most reliant on God is when we are most like Christ, because Christ only did what the Father told him to do. He only said what the Father told him to say. Uh, as humans, we are reliant on food, and Jesus says that his food was to do the work of the Father. That, that nobody has ever been more reliant on the Father than Christ in his flesh. And, and you and I are like him as we go through suffering, and God uses that process of suffering to make us reliant on him. It makes us like Jesus. This is the work of God to transform our lives when he brings suffering or allows suffering. And so um, as we think about that, uh, I want to talk to the person who can probably relate to Paul right in these verses. You see, this this affliction was so uh, bad. It was so uh, he was so burdened beyond his strength that he despaired life itself. It says he felt like it was a death sentence given to him. And uh, corona and quarantine aside, there are many of you that are listening to this that have felt like the suffering you have gone through has been so great that death is the only way out, that you might have even wanted to die. And God's word to you today is that he wants to comfort you and he's using it. It's not wasted. So much of this season, we feel like we're wasting away and God is not wasting any of it. He sees you. He wants to draw near to you. He's the father of mercies. He suffered himself. He can relate. Even if you feel like you've let go of him, he has not let go of you. Christian, if you feel like you have received the sentence of death, God is using it. He's teaching you to rely on him. He is going to be able to comfort you in your boat. He's right there with you. And so the end result of the suffering of us relying on him more, this is such a more full, more complete truth than the half-truth that we hear in society, which is what, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. You know, you hear of songs about that, and that's half true because even Paul himself says in Romans 5 that suffering in our lives, that we can rejoice in them because they do produce character and hope and endurance. And they, there is an aspect that makes us stronger. But stronger in the kingdom is often weaker in the world. You see Jesus put that same kind of spin on it over and over again. You see Paul put that spin on it over again that actually what Paul's going to say later in Corinthians that we're going to read here in a minute is that when he is weak, God is made strong. And, and this is just such a more compelling answer to suffering than anything else the world can offer, is that God is actually using it. Um, so, so that's the process of suffering we see here. Uh, and you could take this as the next step in the process, but I'm going to say it's actually the holistic purpose of that whole process, the purpose of this whole thing of going through trials, of not having an easy life, of dealing with what we're dealing with and receiving the comfort of God and comforting others. The whole purpose of that is what we read in verse 10, if you'll read this with me. Verse 10, he delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You see, the purpose of our suffering that we see here in these verses is that God is glorified when he delivers us, that he will deliver us. You see, God is glorified when he delivers us 
because he is the one that allowed the suffering. He is the one that comforts us in our suffering. Whatever comfort that we have to give others, we received from him. He is the one that we rely on the whole way. Like Jesus is our deliverer and we can be confident in that because he has already delivered us. He has already left the easy life, comfortable life he had in heaven, became a man, lived a perfect life, died a death on the the cross for your and my sins, rose from the grave, and he delivered us from the greatest suffering that we will ever experience, which is our suffering to sin. Like he will deliver us. He gets the glory because he is the one working in the entire process. And so if you're in here, or not in here, but you're listening at home and you're not a Christian, that is freely offered to you. That's the gift of grace that the Bible says that you can uh, repent with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. And this is a free gift of God. If you have questions about that, DM us, message us, fill out the connect card uh, that we referenced earlier. And we would love to, to message you, FaceTime you, whatever, to talk further about it. But God is our deliverer and he offers that access to that freely through Christ's work on the cross. And so uh, that's really good news. That's the good news of the gospel. And Christian in here, we don't want to run from that. We can have confidence that he will end our suffering as well. Uh, it, It might not be through eternity, or it might not be until eternity, but we can be confident that he will end our suffering, that we can be confident because of his past faithfulness that he will be faithful in the future. You see, God is the only one that can get glory through our suffering because God is the only one that can deliver us from our suffering. Let's say that one more time. God is the only one that can get glory through our suffering because he's the only one that can deliver us from our suffering. And so I think this calls us uh, Christians to consider a few things. Uh, I think that um, God could be using this unique season of our life to be showing us that in an effort to rely on ourselves and hope for an easy life, that we might have overvalued an easy life and undervalued suffering. And so I have a a couple questions I want you to ponder on for a moment, wherever you're at in your home, uh, that God could be calling us to in this text. And so I want to ask you, where in this season have you personally overvalued an easy life and undervalued what God is teaching you through this process of suffering? Where in this season have you personally overvalued an easy life and undervalued what God is teaching you in this process of suffering? What have you been running to for comfort that's outside of God and that has that proven insufficient? What have you been running to for comfort that's outside of God that has proven insufficient, maybe uniquely in the last few weeks? What would it look like for us as a church to receive God's comfort to rely on him, and then share that comfort with others? Well, I I think it could look like a lot of things, and I hope where you're at, you're you're thinking through that. Uh, But I think it definitely starts with a call to prayer, and that's what he does in verse 11. Verse 11 says, You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Uh, Church, I think it's right to pray in this season. Uh, And it is definitely not wrong that we would pray that God would deliver us in the immediate 
uh, issue at hand and that he would end the coronavirus and that we could go back to normal life. Uh, but what I want to challenge us to do is to not just pray to that end, but that, that we would pray a bigger prayer, that God would actually use this season of suffering to teach us to rely on him. That we would pray that uh, God would receive glory from this whole thing, that, that through we uh, experiencing suffering in our lives, that God would receive much glory. Um, Paul himself has no issue pleading with the Lord to take away suffering. In, in a few chapters later in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is pleading with the Lord to take away this thorn in his flesh. And we don't know what the thorn was, but we know it was causing him to suffer greatly. So he pleads with the Lord three times for him to end it, for him to deliver him, for him to take it away. Uh, and Jesus himself actually answers Paul back. And he says, this is 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, But he said to me, this is Jesus responding to Paul's plea to end suffering, He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul's saying this now, because Christ's grace is sufficient, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. You see, the gospel flips suffering on its head. That, that God is actually using it to teach us to rely on him even more. And we can live in that space of suffering and we can be the body of Christ in this unique season of life because our comfort isn't from temporary things that are insufficient, but it's from the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, the God that gives us a grace that is sufficient for us. We can be, like Paul said, content in our weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. And that, that we are actually strong in the midst of that. So I'm going to pray and ask for God's help for you and I with that. Uh, and I invite you to join me in prayer from wherever you're at. So Father, I pray that uh, we would be content in our weakness. That we would be content in the midst of insults and hardships and persecutions, calamities. In the midst of our suffering, God, would we run to you? Would we run to the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort? God, would you make that true in our lives? God, help us with this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So now what's going to happen is we're going to sing a few songs. And I invite you to sing with us, even from your home. Uh, and over the course of that song, these two songs, at any point, uh, you can grab some juice representing Christ's blood shed for you and some bread representing Christ's body broken for you. Even if you don't have those exact elements, it's fine. It's symbolic of what he has done for us, that through his sacrifice on the cross that we have access to the Father of mercy. So I invite you to partake in that as we sing together. And if there's anything that we can pray with you in during this season of suffering that we can talk to you about, please reach out. You guys have a great day.